Thanks, Leanne. Hey, church. How you going? It's my first Sunday night service. I've uh, haven't been able to get up, uh, get up to Joondalup on Sundays, and uh, first opportunity I've had is when I'm preaching. It's a good idea that the preacher shows up when he's preaching, uh, and it's also a good idea that the preacher brings a message. Uh, tonight I have half a message, and I have faith that I'll have the other half by the time I preach it. Um, I was uh, my biggest fear. I've always had preaching is to be standing in worship, and and you get preachers that come up and be like, "Well, I was going to preach on this, but God told me to preach on this during worship." And I'm like, "I'm I got no time for that, God. I'm a planned guy. I like to have my notes. I like to format my notes with indentations, italics, uh, different fonts." Um, so it's, it's neat, it's aesthetically pleasing, and I can give you guys dot points to write down and take notes. I, that's how I like to preach. Um, but um, I, I didn't quite get my fear. In worship, God didn't tell me to change it, but I was in worship this morning. I was visiting um, Emma's church this morning, and at the 11 a.m. service, I was in worship, and God told me to speak on something else. And I was like, okay. Um, and to be honest, it wasn't probably the worst thing in the world because um, when I was asked to preach uh, the Sunday night service, I was like, yeah, 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 that's, that sounds great. Debbie, I'll, I can do that. Uh, and I preached it maybe a month ago or so in the morning service. I've never probably had two sermons uh, that close to prepare. I normally get a bit more time. A young adult pastor gets a couple of gigs a year, so I've normally got, you know, six months to work towards them. But this is a bit closer, but I was like, no, nah, I can do that. That's all right. What I didn't think about was um, I knew last week I had a plan. I was going down to Esperance with my uh, brother-in-law and sister and Emma, my girlfriend. And the plan was to bring Emma back as my fiance. And if you're on social media, you may have seen that that did happen. Um, what I didn't, um, what I didn't ensure uh, uh, was that the um, that was that as far as the plan went. Um, but then what I didn't think about is the the wave of. Um, people and busyness and wedding planning and engagement party planning and all things that happen after you ask that question. Uh, as you know, I live a busy, hectic life. Uh, it gets busier. Uh, and then suddenly now I have to uh, do all these other things as well as um, prepare a sermon for Sunday night. So my preparation wasn't great, but I found an old sermon that I felt that God had asked me to talk on um, because I, had, I was reading out of that passage in the Bible and I was like, oh, that's great. I can pull up this old sermon, adjust it a bit for uh, Cornerstone and, and go through. And then God's like, no. So I thought I had it easy. So you're going to have to just bear with me this morning, this, this evening. Yeah, there we go. Has everyone done that? Yeah, great. <laughs> um, and, um, but I'm not feeling too bad because I saw the notes of um, Tara's message this morning. It was written on the back of Jada's reading award. So uh, I feel like it's that kind of Sunday. All right. Now, I normally love to walk around, but because we're all in a small space, I won't be doing much walking. Plus, I've got to stick to the little notes I do have. So, what I felt God asked me to speak on this morning is like a really easy, uh, beautiful topic that everyone's going to, you guys are going to lap it up. It's all like grace-filled, beautiful Christian stuff. God asked me to speak on obedience. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're saying, yeah, but wait till I read some scriptures. Um, so, obedience is, is something that we don't like to talk about too much unless you're a parent and you have kids. Uh, I haven't got kids, not a parent, but I have been a kid 
I guess I still am someone's kid, and I've received some uh, some talks about obedience and and definitely disobedience. Um, so I'm going to kind of um, I'm going to I'm going to go through a lot of scripture tonight because the first thing I did when God told me about that was He gave me a, He gave me a passage of scripture that we will look through eventually. But um, but one of the ones that I, I was just you know what you do when you speak on a topic is that you Google Bible verses on obedience. That is, um, you used to have to get a really expensive program to do that, and then they created Google, and everyone else has done it for you. So we've got Romans 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now, if you've been around church a while, the one man's disobedience, we're talking about Adam here, uh, and, and the fall, and then the... the um, and then the one man's uh, obedience, many will be made righteous. We know that that's Jesus. Um, so I'm talking tonight about the significance of obedience. And I think that some, like we know in, in church that when we, when, we, um, when we become a Christian and we accept Jesus into our hearts and we, we receive the Holy Spirit, we know that we are prompted the fruits of the Spirit to do good things we try and put off the old ways. Some things are still really hard. Sometimes we move into disobedience, back into obedience. And, and, and there's so much grace, and that is all true. There's so much grace when we slip out of, out, of the, uh, out of the obedient call that we have on our life. And there's so much grace, and God lets us back into that slipstream. But tonight I really want to focus on how important it is to stay in that slipstream, if you like, in that in that, uh, if you think about a freeway, in that lane of obedience. And I read, I was reading through Samuel because it's probably one of the best books in the Bible, um, simply for its namesake. And, um, and I was reading one Samuel, uh, I was reading through all of Samuel earlier this year, and this one thing popped out to me as incredibly unfair and weird, uh, which... It, if you, I don't know if you get that when you read the Bible, but I read the Bible sometimes and I'm like, that's harsh. That, like, I, whoa, God, really? And, um, and, and maybe you're going to think this about this verse. Um, this was my first reaction. God's since opened it up a little bit and we're going to open it up tonight. I'm reading 1 Samuel 13 um, and, and the, whole, the whole kind of chapter is, um, is great and I encourage you to read it if, if you get a chance. Um, and just read all of 1 Samuel. Uh, some great stories going on. And we know, so to give you some context, Saul is the king, uh, right? This is pre-David, uh, Israel. Saul is the king. Um, and I'll just pull it up on my phone. So I've got the whole thing, uh, 13. And, and it says like at the start, Saul was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned over Israel for 42 years, right? So Saul, Saul's been the king for a while. And, and just to place you in a context, we're facing a battle, which is very common in the Old Testament. There's always a king and a battle. So you're in this context now. Now what's happened is that Samuel the prophet, okay, he has, um, he has asked Saul to do something. Samuel's received a word from God and, uh, and he's told Saul to wait for him to meet him on the battlefield before Saul does anything, right? Simple, um, seven days, I'll be there. Wait seven days, I'm going to come, and, uh, and, then, and then the Lord will tell you what to do. This is what the Lord's told you. So Samuel said this to Saul. Saul's like, okay, he goes out, and he's waiting his seven days, and that's where we're going to pick it up. So verse 12. Um, 
So Saul's there waiting. Hang on, verse. Uh, oh, that's why. I was like, where are all my highlights? Had the wrong version. Um, here we go. Picking it up in verse 7. Saul's disobedience and Samuel's rebuke. Meanwhile, Saul stayed in Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded me, bring me the burnt offering and peace offerings, and Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel rocks up. Late? Sounds late, right? Didn't come when he said. He's rocked up late. Well done, Samuel. If you know me, I'm often late. Um, so Samuel rises up late. Saul, uh, Saul went out to meet him and welcome him, but Samuel like, is straight up, what are you doing? Saul replies, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. So Saul's sneaking that in, a little bit of a rebuke, right? And the Philistines of Mik, um, are at uh, Mikmash ready for battle. And this is the part we're going to focus on here, guys. Verse 12. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us uh, at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. Now we'll pause it there. This sounds pretty Christian, right? Well, like, you know, this is before Christians, but this sounds pretty the right thing to do. I'm waiting there. Samuel told me to wait. Where is Samuel? Samuel hasn't come. He's late. What should I do? What's the holy thing to do? I'm going to pray. I'm going to put a burnt offering before God. I'm going to pray because I haven't even asked for his help. That's crazy. And sometimes you get in a hard situation and you realize you haven't even asked for God's help yet. And the logical thing to do when you come to that realization is go, God, help. Okay? But that wasn't, he wasn't told to create a burnt offering. And also the bit of context to this um, is that uh, it's not really the king's job to do burnt offerings. Um, it's, it's, more of, uh, it's more of the priest's job. It's, he, he was taking on a role outside his kingship. He was taking on something outside of, um, of what he, he had the authority to do almost. But it seemed like he was doing the right thing. There's, there's a bit of context that says that maybe he wasn't. He was stepping beyond his role. But so he said this, I've done the burnt offering because, you know, I forgot to ask the Lord's help. And Sam's reply is, how foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. Now, it's going to be a nice fluffy sermon tonight, isn't it? I, when I first read this, I was like, this is insane, because Saul is there Samuel doesn't rock up. I feel like the blame's kind of on Samuel, okay? But anyway, whatever. Samuel hasn't rocked up. Saul prays, burns an offering. It seems like he's doing the right things. Then Samuel rebukes him, and he's like, you didn't wait like you should have waited. Like I commanded you from the Lord, you should have waited. Your punishment is you lose everything. Now, that seems like an extreme punishment. I don't know about you, but it's like, Everything will be stripped from you. 
Now, if you know the Bible, you know that the next king is David, the man after the Lord's own heart, okay? And we know that Jesus is a descendant of David. So theoretically, if Saul had kept the command, Jesus would have been a descendant of Saul. So he's like missed out on having the Messiah in his family tree, okay? Like, basically, like theoretically, okay, we can, you know, we can only wonder, but it seems like he's missed out on so much because he just didn't wait a few more hours, right? And that's why I want to talk about the significance of obedience, because if you can lose your entire kingdom and the lineage to the Messiah over not waiting a few more hours, it's scary to think as Christians when we choose not to obey, deliberately step outside of our obedience and fall into disobedience, it's, it's scary to think what we might miss out on. So I've got, I've got a, as I told Tyra, I've got a three-point sermon. I've got two points so far, and we're believing for the third. But my first point is, obedience isn't always contextual or logical. Now, just stay with me here. Contextual, according to the Oxford Dictionary, means depending on or relating to the circumstances that form the setting for an event, statement, or idea. It isn't always contextual logical. Sometimes God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense in your environment, in your context. It doesn't make sense logically. God's given us a brain, and I believe that God talks to us through our logic, but sometimes it, it completely misses a point. To give you an example, I just got engaged, and logically, we need to start saving for a wedding. And logically, weddings are very expensive. And logically, you wouldn't quit your job at a time like this. Right? Makes sense. You've got a steady job. You want to do your job. About a month ago, God said, quit your job. And I said, that's insane. Okay, because I knew I was getting engaged. Emma didn't. So I'm telling her, God told me to quit my job. And she's like, well, if it's from God, go for it. And I'm thinking, no, you don't understand because we're going to need some money, right? It doesn't make sense logically. So, so normally, I've experienced in my walk with Christ, God speaks through my intellect a lot. And things that um, make sense and make more and more sense, I feel that that's how God speaks to me and it comes through me like that. So when I hear God say something completely, what I'm thinking is illogical in, in the flesh, I really, you know, I've got to pray about it. I've really got to seek God. So I went away and did some prayer and fasting and more and more it was quit your job. Now, logically, the next step is, why would you quit your job unless you have another one lined up? Mike knows what I'm, all, I'm talking about here. Mike's been through this a year ago. He's like, yeah, mate, I, I know. And why would you quit your job without another one lined up, especially if you're trading in an environment of, of what's happening contextually right now in the trades, right? I'm very lucky to have a job in the, in the pay I get, in, in the location and the work I'm doing. I'm blessed to have that job. God's told me to quit it, so I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So I'm praying and fasting. Now, I do eight days total without, um, without the only thing I'm drinking is water. And if you know me, I'm out without coffee for eight days and, and, uh, and all the other drinks I enjoy. And I'm, um, 
it sucks. Uh, but I'm praying. I'm actually, sometimes when I fasted, I, I don't do the praying part, which is just the diet. That's, that's what it's called. Um, and you've got to pray, right? So I'm committing half an hour every day I'm praying. And then, then I feel like, and I still haven't got some answers. I'm, I feel like I'm closer to God. I'm feeling all these things, but I still don't have answers. I've got a big list of things. Um, and Emma's, Emma decides me to join me on this fast, and she starts fasting carbs. No, no not carbs. Uh, it's a, that's a diet. Uh, she starts fasting pasta and bread. And you sound, you th- you're thinking all the ladies are like, well, that does sound like a diet. Uh, Emma's Italian, and pasta and bread, uh, denying that from Italian is, uh, is a dangerous thing. So Emma's joining me on this fast. It's great. We're, we're praying fasting. Then I feel because I haven't got the breakthrough that God's called me to a three-day uh, food fast. Now, um, I've done one day before, and I, usually the result is I get really, really grumpy because um, I'm at work, I'm a tradie, I'm on my feet all day, it's hot, I'm exhausted. God's called me to a three-day food fast, right, on uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, Thursday, I've got a day off. Friday, we go down to Esperance, okay? So I am like dying. I'm just so tired. I'm like, this is the worst timing I just feel sick at work. I get really tired. I'm feeling faint. On the last day, I'm lightheaded. I'm spinning. But I feel like that God's calling me to press through. And finally, I get a breakthrough. And it's not the breakthrough I wanted. But the breakthrough was a sermon that I heard at ACC conference came to mind. I've given you the next step, which is quit your job. I'll give you the next one after you do that. Who's been in that situation before? We want the roadmap. We want the blueprint of where our life's going. But God gives us one little step. And uh, Dave Hack puts it in a great way, um, that, that psalm about the, um, the lamp unto my feet and the light on my path, you, you know the one. Um, and, and he's saying, you know, God's, where God wants you is a, is, is a street light far ahead, okay? And that's the goal. That's where we're going. And it's pitch black in between there and that. And then you have the lamp onto your feet, so you've got each step. But sometimes you're walking away from the destination, but you can't see the landscape. And the landscape, there might be, you're like, I'm walking away from where I need to be, but there's a huge chasm in front of you and God's directing you around that. And it's this idea of that we only get one step and some, I'm a planner, I want all the steps. But think about it, guys. It's like knowing every second of a movie, the plot, and sitting down and watching it and it's just boring, right? It's just, you know, it's just like there's no suspense. There's no, there's no plot. It's just, you just get like, you know, it's, if, if it's a good movie, you've seen it once, you'll watch it again. But the first time it's just like, it's lackluster. And this is what a bit like, I keep on touching this is like it's my notes. It's definitely not my notes. Um, like that, that's what it can be a bit like to be on a Christian walk. And God's only given me this next step. So on Wednesday, I quit my job. I handed my resignation I say I'm on for a career change. I don't know what my career change is. I've got ideas of what maybe I want to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's insane. But God has been so faithful through that time because I've had, um, I've had private kind of uh, carpentry job offers like pop up to do a bit of piece here and a, and a little bit there and a little bit there. And um, and then I've also um, had the opportunity to do some training in coffee, some professional training, and um, and like re- opportunities are really the doors are opening there. And there's there's 
there's all these things happening, but I still don't know what next year looks like. I finished off on the 23rd of December and I'm just still taking that extra step. But guys, you've got to walk in obedience because sometimes God will call you. And, and when I'm talking about obedience, we know what to do. A lot of the things that are in the Bible are telling us what to do. But in the context, in the environment we're in, it becomes incredibly hard. It is so inconvenient to be a Christian at times. It's not the easy path. Man, if I did what I wanted, it could be easier, right? But we know that we have a Father that loves us and that has a plan for us, a plan to prosper us, and that He works all things uh, for the good for us. And what are, we, what are we talking about here? Like, I'd rather walk in that be- obedience because even though it is going to be tough, it's going to be the best thing for me. And I just encourage you guys, is if God has challenged you in a place of obedience, because He's challenging me, not in just this work area, but in personal stuff, He's challenging me and He's going, will you wait for me? Will you wait for me? Will you wait for me? And I'm like, well, I want to push things in my own strength. And I'm going, well, I want to, um, God, you prophesied a period of rest over me. Where is that period of rest? How can I make that period of rest happen? No, I've got, I've got something else for you. And I'm like, well, God, and we try and do this, but be obedient to the call of God. And let me tell you something, guys. If God's called you to do something, okay, and now you're in a place where you're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm thinking, God, okay, should I do something else? God, should I do something else? Silence isn't a yes, do something else. Silence means that God's word that he gave you two years ago, or whenever it was, stands today. God's word doesn't expire, guys. God's commandments don't expire. If he's given you a yes somewhere, and now you want to change it to a no, but he isn't, he's not giving you that no, the commandment still stands. He's not giving you a yes, but he said yes before. Why? He hasn't changed. It's like that joke that you hear is like, the, uh, you know, that couple that's been married, um, forever and, and, and the wife goes, you just don't tell me that you love me. And he's like, well, I told you 50 years ago, if anything changes, I'll let you know. It's, you know, God's yes is, is, a, is a, it doesn't have an expiry date until he says it does. Okay. And like, are you guys with me here? Uh, am I making sense? God's words and commands don't expire. Your circumstances, your environment doesn't change God's command. Sometimes it's easy to live in the context and say, God, everything around me, it doesn't make sense for me to quit my job. I'm just going to stay in the safety. I'm going to stay in my security, in my safety, in my this is what's easier. This is what's comfortable. This is what I want to do. It's it's so easy to stay in that place. It's so inconvenient to be a Christian sometimes because you don't always get your way. Second point I've got tonight is obedience commands a blessing. Luke 11, verse 27 to 28 says, And he said the, uh, as he said these things, Jesus, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But, he, but Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Sometimes we can get so caught up in working out, did God actually mean that? Was that actually what he wanted to say to me? Because now it's feeling a bit uncomfortable and it's feeling a bit gross. And, and 
I've sometimes like I've heard the idea of you know if God makes your work environment uncomfortable, He's pushing you out, and sometimes that is the case. But sometimes He's making it uncomfortable to see where you stand and how you're going to react to that. And I encourage you that the Bible says we work for Jesus, right? He's He's our boss. And if you've got a a boss that you struggle with, like I have had before, and I've shared in church, is who are you working for? Who are you looking to? The opposite of this point is true as well, guys, that disobedience delays blessing and that we've seen that in Saul's case, it loses blessing. And one of the classic examples of this is in Joshua 5, 6. It says, For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, uh, the men of uh, war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord the Lord swore to them that they would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Guys, we know that Israel were, um, well, as, as they fled, um, that Moses, right, was the, led the exodus out of Egypt to the promised land. We're going to the promised land, but through their disobedience and through Moses' disobedience and frustration, and we get frustrated with the situation and the context and the environment we live in, and we kick the rock, we strike it in frustration, and we're disobedient to what God says. And they and Mo, Moses, you're never going to enter the promised land. It's, it's heavy stuff, but it's, that's what happened. And sometimes we can... We can get frustrated and we're like, nah, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to move into disobedience. I'm, I'm done doing it God's way. And, and it, we end up worse off. But guys, there is such a command. Um, there's such a, a blessing that, that obedience commands. Jesus, Jesus says in, in the Gospels, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands, commandments. And then also, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I want to be Jesus' friend. If you're in church, you probably want to be Jesus' friend. And I think, guys, that, um, you know, this disobedience, we look at how significant it was in Romans. The verse we opened with was, it led the entire, where we are now, one man's disobedience your disobedience doesn't just affect you personally. That's what's, that's what's crazy is that we go, oh, I just want to go my own way. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect other people. We're not, we're not an entity to ourselves, guys. We're not an island. And when we disobey, it might have a little bit of effect on people. It might have a mass amount of effect, but it affects other people, our disobedience. Because our disobedience can be a stumbling block to others. Our disobedience can create hurt, upset, um, offense. Second John 1 verse 6 says, And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. That is the commandment. Just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. And if you're a young adult in Cornerstone you know that I hammer, love God, love others. And that I'm all about, we're not under law, we're under grace, but the law's written on our hearts. And when we're obedient to God, that's how we love others. Because we, you know, God is love, so how can we love others 
outside of his covenant with us? How can we love others outside of that? And we see it through the Old Testament all the time that God made a covenant and Israel would break it and he'd remove his protection and they'd suffer for it. And we've got heroes in the Bible like um, um, that guy. Yes. Uh, Abraham, right? Who was obedient to the point where he would sacrifice his son. And that's what I was talking about. You know, sometimes that you're in this work situation and it's so uncomfortable and you're like, oh, maybe that's because God's pushing me out or maybe because God's testing how far you'll follow him. Abraham followed him to the altar to kill his son. And look at the context, guys. This was the promised son, the father of the nations. Like, like it took them so long to have this kid. And now God's like, kill him. And it's like, oh my goodness. But Abraham was so faithful and so obedient. And you might even say like blindly so. But then the lamb came in. The lamb was provided. The sacrifice. And it's such a beautiful picture of Jesus, right? is that when it called for the firstborn son, we were given God's son in, in, in his place. And, and how far are you willing to follow God? Because we sung a song um, this morning at Emma's church, uh, the new Hillsong album, and it's like saying along of, um, how should I profit when you were crucified? And it's just this, Obedience is hard sometimes. Disobedience sometimes is easy, but there is no blessing in disobedience. There's a blessing in obedience. And I want to walk into that blessing. And I know that if I stayed at my job and saved for a wedding, you know, we would have had a wedding and we had a nice wedding and it would have been great. But now I'm on a faith journey that's insane, but I have no fear because I know that God's called me to do this. And it's like getting up tonight without a sermon, really. But I'm like, well, if I can trust God to quit my job, how hard is it to trust God to give me the words to speak to the people tonight? Like, if God wants me to speak on obedience, if he tells me in the middle of a worship service to speak on obedience, imagine if I'm disobedient to that. My sermon, would I would have preached on hope like I was going to, and it would have sucked. Like, it would have, you know, the blessed, like, you know, but God is, God wants to bless us. And when we walk in disobedience, he isn't hating on us. He isn't, he's just, he's just, it's the picture of the prodigal son. It's going, come back. It's the father running to the prodigal son. He's going, come back out of your disobedience. Come out of your disobedience into family. And uh, Pastor Ken this morning spoke on the prodigal son and, and he made a great point about how, we can be, um, there was one son outside of the father's house and then he came back in and he, and he knew the father's house. But there was a guy in the father's house, but he didn't know the father's heart. You know, the eldest son, he didn't know the father's heart. He was in the father's house, didn't know his heart. It's so easy to go to church and I'm guilty of this. And you can get up and you can MC and you can praise God and then you go and live a life of disobedience. And it's just not worth it. Take, take my word for it, guys. Take the Bible's word for it. Obedience commands a blessing. And disobedience delays that blessing. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, 
just thank you right now, God, for your obedience to the cross. That you are the perfect example, Lord, of what true obedience and obedience that caused suffering and obedience that caused pain and obedience that was hard to follow, that you are the perfect example of that obedience. That you are faced with every temptation and trial that we look at these days, God, that we face as a man. You face these temptations and you were obedient to your Father and you went to the cross and the blessing was great and the blessing remains today and we see the blessing over and over again when we feel the grace of the Father's heart. And Lord God, we just pray that as you call us to obedience, as you call us to your heart, Lord, that we would step out of our disobedience where we have been disobedient, Lord. We repent for our disobedience. I repent for my disobedience, God, and I step out into your obedience, Lord, and I say that I want to follow the Father's call and the Father's heart. Lord, we're so grateful for your love and grace, Lord, that when we do walk in disobedience, that there's no expiry date. There's no, you've been too disobedient. There's always grace to come back into obedience, Lord. And God, I pray that in our situations, Lord, the situations we face, God, the context, the environments, Lord, I pray that if anyone here, God, is struggling with the call on their life, a call that you may have made years ago or a call that they're questioning, Lord, that your word doesn't expire, that your yes doesn't expire, Lord, and we wait, we submit ourselves to you and we wait humbly and we say we'll be obedient to your yes even in the wilderness. Lord, as we worship you now with this last song, God, this song from the inside out, Lord, that we would cry out from the inside out, that, that the Holy Spirit within us cries out and says that we want to be obedient, but as Paul said, we do the things that we don't want to do and don't do the things that we should do. And God, I pray that you would continue to guide us in your word, that we would submit ourselves daily, Lord. That we would just lay down everything daily and come to live in obedience with you. I'm going to read this last verse, guys, as, as the band starts to play, and we'll sing this final song together. If you want to stand to your feet. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 5 and 6. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Lord God, we take every thought captive, every thought that leads us to disobedience. We grab it right now. We submit it to Christ, God. Lord, we ask that you show us that there is no blessing in disobedience and that it is hard ground, unfertile ground. Lord God, that we punish our disobedience, that we rebuke ourselves, we rebuke our brother and sister in love in their disobedience, God, and we step into yours, obedience, God.